0: Welcome to the Iceman Kicking Podcast. It's the show with cold questions and even cooler guests. We're here to talk about the ins and outs of special teams and specialists. And I am your host, Brett R. Kelly. And we have pulled the strings today to get a Hall of Fame guest who needs no introduction, might I say, but I will give him anyway. This is a six-time Pro Bowl participant, a two-time first-team All-Pro the Philadelphia Eagles all-time leading scorer, the longest field goal in 49ers history, and at the time, NFL history, the NFL 2000s all-decade team, and the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame the NFL season record holder for field goals, David Akers. Dave, how you doing today?
1: Good, Brett. Thanks for having me on, man. I needed you back a few years ago to, to do some contract negotiation for me. Man, that was a heck of an intro. I appreciate that. They call me the Iceman. As as i am can you drop nice man? to you nice,
0: fam. you nice, fam. I'm nice,
1: fam. That i gets a can, can i get on you for a second here yeah you're quite the journeyman but <laughs> now you're i mean i've seen you in some different shirts over the the past year but congratulations to you for you guys that that may know brett but don't know i mean the guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, I'd be thrilled, uh, you know, if, if you're a parent and you have a kid that is is going to be able to to learn with the school. Congrats to, and hiring a guy that really knows what he's talking about. Exactly. Congratulations, much deserved. I You've come a long way since Smyrna High School. A few reminders: we encourage you to tweet about today's episode
0: and tag us at IceMan underscore Kicking and use the hashtag. IMK Podcast or Big Kick Energy or Cool Under Pressure to let us know what you enjoyed about the episode or any recommendations for who you'd like to see on the podcast next. Also, if you are interested in any of the fantastic info discussed today, you can find all of this and more by heading to IcemanKicking.com and purchasing the Kicker's Bible. Proven training method and secrets used by professional specialists. Which brings us to the official sponsor of the Iceman Kicking podcast, The Kicker's Bible. The Kicker's Bible, including tips from 20, that's 2 NFL specialists, along with numerous personal stories and accounts from Eagles Hall of Fame kicker, David Akers, and 15-year NFL vet and University of Florida special teams coach, Shane Graham. The Kicker's Bible is a must-have for any specialists that want insight from the best in the business, get your copy today in our Twitter bio at Iceman underscore kicking or Amazon. Now let's sit back and really kick this icy episode off. Hey, We're not going to leave any stones unturned here, man. We're going to go back and, and dig up all the good stuff. So, man. Can, can,
1: can I get on you for a second here? Yeah. You're quite the journeyman. <laughs> but now you I mean, I've seen you in some different shirts over the, the past year, but congratulations to you for going to uh, Virginia Tech. And uh, maybe there's just something about the, the orange beard that, you know, has something to do with maybe like a Shane Graham or something it just happens to be, uh, you know, kind of the colors of your school. And maybe that's why they want guys that know kicking that have, uh, have red hair.
0: But they did, uh, when they called me up, they said, We heard you or are, are Shane Graham look like, so we'll take you. And I said, I hey, whatever it takes, man, whatever, whatever works, right? Yeah, exactly. Congratulations,
1: but, much deserved. I You've appreciate You've come a long way since Smyrna High School.
0: It's funny, man. We were just talking, and and uh, I this is the coolest story. And I tell, I told all my students at the time, I was a teacher at Smyrna High School just a year, February of 2020, um, and reached out to Dave. We played. Uh, your son's high school at Ravenwood high school in, in uh, Franklin or or Nashville uh, area, Williamson County. And, you know, I I walked up in pregame and I said, Hey, you know, I knew Matt Daniels, fantastic head coach, great guy. Do you want to meet Dave? Yeah, sure. And uh, walk over there and you and Luke are just kicking, just like kicking man, like two hours before the game, like a, like it was a pro game, you know, pro intense workout. Luke's in the zone. I was like, Hey Dave, how's it going? And, You know, we just chopped it up for 10 minutes. You want to to talk some ball? And so went to Starbucks and we talked for damn near two hours. They're about to kick us out. You said, hey, let me let me go in the parking lot. Let me show you punt form what I'm talking about here. I thought that was the coolest thing, man. You taking time out of your day for a, a freaking high school teacher. I went and told my students the next day. I said, this guy's a freaking Hall of Famer. Okay, and he's in the parking lot talking to me about falling through on punt and it was 10 45 at night I was freezing my butt off out
1: there it was so. cold man it was cold <laughs> it's not supposed but, to get that cold in Nashville
0: yeah what the but man that was that was pretty cool and that was uh, I know you're uh, an awesome dude man and, and yeah, so you
1: know what's cool cool about that you know as well as you know you're saying that about me but I actually feel a little bit the same way about Alan Lowry who was kind of the special teams coordinator for Ravenwood at the time and then we had Ryan Fowler at the time, who played in the NFL, and and uh, Coach Grimes, who had had some time in the NFL as well. It just to me, that's a really cool thing to have on a high school team. And now locally, we have Phil Dawson, we have um, uh, Trent Dilfer, you know, kind of doing this as well. And uh, it, it's just it's just cool to see kind of that that Nashville Williams County vibe going on with these guys, kind of putting pouring back into the kids and into the community. And um, and and for you again you were just moving on up to Marshall at the time. And, um, you know, sometimes blessings come in disguises where, you know, obviously the coaching staff gets let, let go. And, um, you know, you're kind of searching and end up in a far superior uh, scenario currently for you. So, I mean, congratulations on that. Um, For you guys that, that may know Brett, but don't know, I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, I'd be thrilled, uh, you know, if, if you're a parent and you have a kid that is is going to be able to to learn with the school because a lot of schools I mean I'm sharing this out there because people don't know a lot of college coaches believe it or not really don't know a daggone thing about kicking and punting they ask other people and they take the recommendations and they go with it but they really don't know oh I see ball kick far and um, that's it. And there's so much more that goes into it. If you're talking punting, what are, what different kicks can they do? What are opportunities can they do? Can, can, they, can they can they kick? Can they kick off? Uh, can they hold? Can, can they kind of a little bit of everything? Are they athletic? Or are they just kind of a guy that are one-dimensional? There's so many different variables that kind of go into this thing. And um, and honestly, like what's, what's their head like? I mean, are they guys that like, you know, they're a team guy or are they isolated themselves, like personality? There's so many different things that You have to know people that really know what they're looking for. So I think it's important, vitally important. Congrats to Virginia Tech for doing something like this, um, you know, and and hiring a guy that really knows what he's talking about. Um, So congrats to you guys on that. And for the few teams that are out there that did, I know Michigan did it for several years. I know uh, Alabama had been doing it with, with Joe Houston for a while. Or my son at UCLA, they have a guy that's kicking guy as well, Will Rodriguez. There, there are other guys that are out there. Um, Matt Bonio before uh, – sorry, Chris Bonio before he went to, to Tampa was down at uh, Mississippi State. So there, there are some of them out there, um, and there are some guys that are, that are really trying to, to learn, and, and they'll consult a little bit. But that's where the Jamie Coles and, and, the, and the, the Brandon Corn Blues and, and, and the Sailors – they are do Brian Jackson's another guy out there. Forgive me if I'm forgetting some of these guys out there that these schools are relying on these guys and, and there's some other guys out there that just feel like they're absolutely terrible. They're out just taking a number. They're, they're ranking people. They have no idea what's going on. They have one good day. The more they pay, the, the higher they get ranked. And, and then they end up being terrible and these schools get ticked off and then they're going, okay, now we're going to buy, get some guy that's 26, 27 years old from Australia to come over and compete against a 17 year old. I don't want to get in that whole conversation. I'm just saying, if it's another position, it wouldn't be happening. It's a cool story, and there's some really talented guys. And I was very fortunate to play with one of those guys. He didn't go to college. He played 15 years in the AFL over Australian Rules Football, and then he came over and played for us with the Eagles for four years and played, I believe, four years with the the Redskins, or now the Washington football team at the time. Severio Raca, one of the greatest dudes you'll ever meet. Um, Fantastic holder, learned – quite a bit in a very short time extremely talented a very funny story about sad the first mini camp it was before kind of otas first mini camp he comes in out 21 putts hits like 15 or 17 of those over five second putts i'm like this dude's ridiculous he actually had to to calm it back so he could be become more consistent but like they called him the spirals back then he called them torps torpedoes instead of the you know the aussie you know the uh, flip-flop ball. And I was like, dude, first off, you're like 6'7", 270. You're enormous. You have great extension. You're one of the nicest guys I've ever met. You're really, really good. And it almost never even happened. It was a fluke that he got the opportunity. And we had a good kid, uh, punter at the time, Dirk Johnson. And I mean, how do you tell an incumbent like that? Like this guy is that much better right now? And he was thirty three. He was the oldest rookie in NFL history, and uh, you know it's cool to be a part of that. And just a great guy. But he's so big. Like I'd come back from my walk back. I'm five nine. I don't know who my my son's father is. He's six three. But I would put my hand on Sav's shoulder, and it'd be kind of like this level as I was walking back. He was just enormous. But worked real hard to be a. a A student of holding, I was fortunate to have a holder for eight years in Coy Detmer. I mean, think about that for a second. Think about at the collegiate level, the high school level, how many holders somebody might have in four years. And you know, coaches throw, "Oh, let's put this quarterback in. Let's put this," and they really don't. And again, most college coaches they don't know how to teach a holder how to hold. I'll put the ball down, put the finger out. No. No, we're not doing it that way anymore. We haven't done that since Steve Largent and Doug Peterson did it for Ryan Longwell way back when. Fix it. Now, some people, you know, they like that finger on there because they can see the ball better. All you have to do is get your fingers out of the way. But that really didn't bother me because, you know, Sav's big old hands, his mitts, they were like down here. It didn't affect me. If it did, I mean, I wasn't thinking about it. I was probably just lack of talent when I missed it. But you know, these are things that need to be shared and guys like yourself need to be implemented. And, uh, you know, maybe enough of the special teams coach and the tight end guy being the guy. Maybe we actually get a guy that can coach other things. Um, and I know a lot of you all can and very knowledgeable in that regard. And I know Shane Graham is, is pioneering that. And, and, and the cool thing about Shane, and, and nothing against like yourself or some of these other guys, but Shane Graham being down in Florida obviously he started central michigan and then went to eastern i Mich- went to uh, michigan state but when he you know shane's made good money in his life right so he played professionally for a long time he's going to be able to have the gumption to say listen guys with in, in a very respectful way hey that's probably not the best way to do it this way. And let me explain to you why, because I did it for so long, right? This is why it doesn't work well. And I, and I know Shane's enough of a sponge to learn from other people. And, and he's, he's a true professional at what he does. And um, I mean, and a great guy for, for, for and, and by the way, Shane, if you're watching, congratulations, lovely wife, you out kicked your coverage for sure. Um, but all that being said, like, he has a little bit more of saying, Oh, I'm going to tell him because I don't really care if I get fired. Like I want to do this. I want to progress, but I'm not going to do it at the expense of my kickers and punters and making them fail. I want this to be better. And the reason why I'm saying this, I know it can be better. And if you have a coaching staff that will listen to that, then power to you. Um, but some of these coaches, I mean, they just, I had a great conversation with Jeff Fisher a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Jeff was a special teams guy. Like every time, that the Eagles would go down and play Tennessee. They had Craig Hendricks, who was a phenomenal athlete in general. He was a quarterback in high school. He could kick, he could punt. He could do, again, goes back to why do you want this type of guy? Went to Notre Dame, all American, goes to green Bay for a while, comes down to Tennessee and and has an incredible uh, career for the Titans. Always, always, always had to prepare for all sorts of fakes, whether he was holding, whether he could do a kickoff, like, out our punt formation, we were doing all sorts of fakes preparing for that. And they would probably would never do it, but they would show one or two. How much time does that take away? So, hey coaches, here's an idea for you. Throw a fake in every now and then. It makes the team oh, wait a minute. If we if we see the first thing they want to do is go double count. Why double count? All of a sudden, when your lineman move or or your your holder. Doesn't make the cadence right or tells your kicker, then you screw it up and you know, it's the kicker's fault or whatever. But if you run a fake, all of a sudden, ah, we're not rushing so much. What's going on? I can tell you an example of Joe D. Camillus. We were playing in the 2004 NFC Championship game against the Falcons, Eagles, Falcons. We ended up going to the Super Bowl that year. We ran a fake field goal, first part, I think it's first half of the game. Joe told me over at the Pro Bowl, because back then the, the, the loser of the NFC championship game or AFC would, would be the, the Pro Bowl head uh, would be the coaching staff. So I'm over there and he's like, you know when we knew we were in trouble? When y'all ran a fake punt or a fake field goal against us. I was like, really? He said, Yeah, because at that moment we knew you all would pull out all the stops. In college, I really feel in high school, if teams would focus a little bit more on the real nuances and instead of just putting, ah, let's just get that guy out there. But you take more of a bill Belichick approach. I'm going to put some of my stars on. You're going to see Mike Vrabel out there. You're going to see Teddy Bruschi out there. You're going to, you're going to see Troy Brown out there, right? You see those guys, significant difference, significant difference in what's going on. And I'm not saying you got to build up your, your, your team. You got to bring guys along. I, I get all that, but there's moments where you, you put those guys in there. Um, and, and there's just a different mentality of, of what you can do. And you're at the school that kind of invented a lot of that beamer ball, right? At the collegiate level, y'all were taking names way back when, and colleges still haven't, and in my opinion, excelled in that, in that area in, in a lot of their. It, sometimes they try to get so much trickeration that it ends up tricking themselves, right? Let's get good at one or two things and then have our flair in there and, and be able to really maximize being good for us instead of always kind of playing defense against who we're playing against. If that makes sense. I just have a different mentality. I like attack. Harbaugh was an attack guy. Uh, I love that about John and uh, ironically, cause he's kind of a defensive guy minded guy. Um, but that's just kind of, that's kind of me. That's, I just kind of went around the world real quick there for you. No, oh, I love
0: that. And just like you said, though, like teams that take special teams seriously. And obviously, you know, Virginia Tech, I mean, I'm proud to be here because yes, of the history and coach Chivas has been special teams were, were fantastic at it. And teams that are great and take special teams seriously, great, I can tell you from being at Marshall last year, when we saw teams that had a ton of starters uh, on their special teams, they were normally the best teams in the conference or the best teams we played because they value it and that that goes a long ways to the, the little details and little uh, aspects of it so absolutely to being aggressive like that's going to take the the bite out of you know other teams and and what they're trying to do if you show right away like hey we're going to be aggressive on special teams we're going to uh, throw some fakes in there we're going to do stuff early you know different formations that's going to make you think
1: so no i love it totally do um it it'll be interesting to see kind of where, where things kinda of go because I, I have I have a kind of a, a a problem, I guess you'd say, with watching a lot of college teams do this rugby punting. I'm not talking Aussie rules, I'm talking rugby, the top spinning ball that hits and rolls, and you just blame, you know, just just, just hoping for luck, right? hoping it just rolls forward you, you you got an oblong ball that you're hoping rolls forward and to me that shows a lack of knowledge for coaches in my opinion and ignorance and lack of ability to actually coach any technique and develop a guy why would I go if I had it you know if Luke was going out right now and you're saying okay I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a rugby school dude don't go there they're not gonna make you better they don't know what they're talking about Any coach that goes out and does that, they're gimmicky and and they're doing things that, uh, you know, they're hoping is okay. They're just, they play scared. I don't like, I don't like playing scared. I want to dominate. I want Warriors out there that says, put me out there, coach. I'm going to go, I'm going to go put this ball where you want me to put it. But we're going to do it so I can hopefully go to the next level. You want a guy that says he can go to the next level, you know, a guy that's not going to work and put the time and effort in. But if you don't have dreams and aspirations to, be all conference and, and to say, okay, you're a 42 yard punter. Well, were you a 30 yard punter with a 12 yard roll or were you a 42 yard punter? You know, and you know, some of some of like I have a different mentality of, of this. Like I, I love Brett Kern. Brett Kern's right now, I, I like a lot of I've got friends who are great punters around the league, and but I just love the mindset because he probably does not have the strongest leg in the NFL by, by any stretch, probably one of the weakest, to be honest with you. And I, I think Brett would tell you this but you see a consistent drop and he's just going to money ball it on the sideline for you, but he can hit you a three, five, three, six hang time that hits and rolls at 42 yards in rolls because he's directionally doing it because the wind and the situation, of the game, but he's going to hit you a four, five, four, six ball. That's going to go 50 yards and right on the chalk. And he's just great at it. And so that mindset is like, I don't want to hit a 50 yard ball. I want a 38 yard fair catch. That's playing scared. Let's develop this guy into a great directional punter. Let's develop our, our, our coverage team. And so we, let's develop our snapper so we can offset. Let's develop our, our, our blocking scheme. So there's not somebody in, in the punter's face every second. And we'll, let's, let's be able to spread and get down and, and know where our punter is going to put the ball because he has confidence in all that in front of him. We work together as a team and that's how you learn to dominate. And, um, you know, I, I remember asking Brett one time, like, about kind of his hang time. He's like, you know how many 5 O's I hit this year? None. He said, you know how many over, lo, below 4 I hit? None. He's just, boom, I'm hitting you this same ball. And um, I think that's great. I mean, conversely, the there, there, there are a few guys – that can do a little bit more of the gimmicky thing. And I'm not even meaning it this way. It's, it's an Aussie style, like uh, Max Duffy last year for UK. He had a great career. I don't think Max, and I, he could prove me wrong, I don't think he's a pro punter. But I think he's a phenomenal college punter in this in this regard. But he's older. He's an older guy, right? Um, he was good at seeing what the, the punt return was giving him. If They're rushing what he can do to buy time and get it off. But he would dink and dunk his his balls all, all around. And, and that was like, okay, that's I get it. Now, Shane, one time he had a, he had a kind of a deep ball and, and he made him pay, right? They took it to the house on him. And I'm not trying to to kind of dim somebody's light because I think he had a lot of redeeming qualities as, as a punter. I mean, truly impressed with the guy on his visual of being able to see what's going on. And, and there are a lot of them that do that way. I think there's a difference though, when you start to look at guys at that level, at that age to maturity and all that, it's not fair to, to make that same assessment against an 18 year old. I mean, there's some guys that are close to 30. I mean, shoot, my first training camp, I was 22 years of age and, and the pros, right? So there's a, there's a difference, but we don't start really kicking in football in America until really high school, and that's okay. You call it your sophomore year. So you have two years to really learn before scholarship opportunities really start getting that offered to you, right? And some of these guys that are coming over, I mean, they've played AFL. They've grown up with a ball in their hand, punting wise. And I'm again, I'm not trying to make one like they're bad or anything like that. I think there are some phenomenal guys that do great, um, but I don't think it's the end all either. Um, But, again, just trying to be as well-rounded, the most uh, offensive that you can be in a defensive situation with punting. But then also on the same regard on the the kicking side and and the kickoff side, like I want to see you just challenge. Like I don't care about hang time on kickoffs. I don't. I did a study years ago with Sean Landetta, John Harbaugh, and Randy Brown. Those are some legends right there. I will go toe-to-toe with any coach out there that tells me, I want a 4-2, you know, 7 deep. Coach, why? You hit me a 3-5, 7 deep, the guy's going to catch the ball stepping backwards. His first step has got to go backwards, and then he'll run towards the line of scrimmage. A pro returner doing that takes an average of 1.5 to 1.7 seconds. So you hit a 3-5 hang time, 7 deep. At the worst, it's a five-second hang time to the goal line. You tell me four-two; that's hard to do. There are very few guys that can do that for you. I'm not saying hit a three-five. I'm just saying if you can hit a three-eight, three-nine, you can bang some balls out there and really make a difference. And I learned that early on. I had I had I had a year or two where they were like, "Look, you got to know your strengths of your players too." I was a guy that was I would go middle to right, middle to right, middle to right. And I would come back because I would do everything hidden. I would take a couple steps up and then shoot over and I would shoot a low liner left. And I remember kind of hitting that to cribs a couple of times. Ted Dasher was the, the, the special teams coordinator for, for the Browns at the time. And he was an assistant at the time or earlier on with us with the Eagles. And then came back and was one of our team's guys for a while. And he said, Dave, I, you killed us. And I was like, dude, Cribs would start cheating over on me, and then I would shoot it back. And then he'd kind of get over here, and then I'd shoot it back over this way. I don't care about hang time. I just wanted them deep because, again, you catch that ball coming back, especially back in the day. Back in the day, we were kicking off from the 30. They line up on the goal line, and if they really went two or three yards deep in the end zone, they weren't getting it. Now, if you're hitting the ball seven yards deep in college, you're going to have to line up at least five yards deep in the end zone. Take two steps back. And then take a false step on top of that. You're not going to see them. You know, we don't have old Tim Dwight. That might be – that's before your time. But Tim Dwight would catch that thing on the run. Michael Bates would catch that thing on the run. You're not seeing that in college right now, in my opinion. I mean, you don't have Devin Hester out there right now. So, for me, again, I don't worry about that type of stuff. Let's go for touchbacks. Now, back a few years ago, Jim Harbaugh – when Tyler Brown was, was coaching with Michigan, they wanted high hanging kicks around the goal line because they had so much faith in their coverage units. They wanted to get them inside the 25. They want to give them 15. So they go directional high hangers inside the five. All right. And and that's what, and if you want to do that, you can dominate again. That's an aggressive mindset. Say, I don't want to be 25 yard line. I want you to just to be able to go out and smash these guys. So, so Moody and uh, and um, and Quinn, they, that's that's what they would do, and I think it's it's a great way to 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 train those guys. I mean, they were good, hey, they powerful legs, obviously. Um, I remember Quinn's workouts right before the uh, the draft. I think he was hitting, I think he had ten or fifteen kickoffs, and and they were all four threes, just banging. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Patriots if if he if he does well enough to to make it up there. Joe's up there. Joe Houston's up there. We'll see how that kind of goes. Um, But Quinn's a good kid and, you know, wish him success. But anyway, that's just kind of my mantra, my idea. Like I, I want to attack. I want to attack even on teams. I want to attack on, on return. I want to attack on, on coverage. I want to do surprise onside kicks. I want you always on your toes. So you never want to go. That's Jeff Fish, and That goes back to the conversation with Jeff. Like that's what his mindset was. We had to prepare for that. And Alan Lowry, the same type of thing. I love it. John Harbaugh wanted to do that. Um, and, and matter of fact, we did a, a fake field goal. And this is what we would do. Mike Bartram was our snapper. Mike's one. You know, he's at Marshall now, and uh, he was one of the assistant uh, tight ends coaches with the Eagles for the last few years. And one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. And matter of fact, you should try to have him on one of your podcasts. Except you know the, the Marshall Virginia Tech deal.
0: We We're good. We're good.
1: <laughs> but. A fantastic snapper. He probably wasn't the fastest. He probably wasn't the best setting. And he probably wasn't the best coverage. But you put all three together at the time as a third string tight end, he was the best. Went to the Pro Bowl, uh, and an even better guy. But we would go to um, on field goal block days, we would run some sort of a fake. And we would tell just who needed to know, and we'd be like, Okay, a third the third the third one will be on the left hash. This is what we're gonna do. And so Coy Detmer was just putting the ball in one day and just flipped one over his shoulder. We were just messing around warming up. He just threw it over his shoulder. I said, hey, dude, what if I start running that way? Can you no look that shot over and, and spiral past it? He's like, I don't give a shot. So Mike snaps it down. He, he tapped the ball down, and then it wasn't leaving like a flip. It was a spiral as I was running. So as soon as the ball was set on for the snap, I would go in a run. And that's how fast it would go down. Boom! And he throw it over his shoulder, and it was awesome. We made so many different fakes off of that. Through Andy loved it. We ran it against the Arizona Cardinals, and every single time they would they would come from from the boundary, and we're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run this. We're gonna run this against so them because every every single time. Do you remember the one time? Pat McAfee talks about Palomalu, Palomalu, whatever you call it.
0: Waiting waiting gap, He said, dang it, Palomalu, you're not supposed to be there. They're going to run the Yeah, bank. but he
1: called him something up. So he goes, we're kicking the ball, right? Well, this time, Koi's the holder. I'm just watching what's going on. But Pat Tillman lined up in a place that he had never lined up because the middle backer had slid over and he replaced where he should have been, but it really wasn't where he would have been. He would have been still over kind of where he was lined up to begin with. We were on the fake. as a 50-yarder, right hash. We go no look over his shoulder. I catch it out one hand. He leads me a little bit, and I'm gone. And then here comes Pat. I get 15 yards, and he tackles me out of balance. Pat Tillman ends up tackling me, and after the game, Harbs comes over to Pat. Like, what in the world? He's like, dude, like, what are the chances that he's in the wrong spot? I come here. Otherwise, our right guard would have been able to come out. John Wilburn, he would have been able to block him, and it would have been a touchdown. But we got the first down nonetheless. We won the game. But those are the types of things that I love because after that, they're always on their heels, always on their heels. High school, do the same thing, especially if you're having trouble getting kicks blocked. We had an issue with that. We had trouble with Luke. man our wing and our tight end, they would go the opposite way. Jumper would come right through. I'm like, how hard is it to help each other out and quit blocking down? All right. Can we have this conversation please? And so I, I was talking to Lowry, like, coach, we got to run a fake. He's like, we got to run a fake Daniels. We got to run a, We got to, we got to put these guys on our heels. And, and we finally did, you know, run one to, to, to get them. Like, come on. We ran a couple of fake punts and, and it, it was working to, to get some of these guys just – but you got to take a chance. Even if you, it's a fourth down you're like, okay, we may not get it, it's, it's, it's a rush because you know those guys are, are willing to take it. I know it's a long time to talk about fakes and being aggressive, but I love that mentality. I love that mentality to having a kicker. Um, you've got to be able to want to go out and have that game on your shoulders, punting it out of the back of the end zone. I want to bomb this thing. I want to flip the field last second field goal to win the game, down by two. I want to be that guy. Let's go, you know. And with that mentality, also we want a coaching staff that believes in that as well and says, we're going to go after this. That fake field goal
0: you guys ran, did you get it? With the at, Eagles? At, at Ravenwood.
1: Yeah, I think we did. I can't remember exactly which one we did. It was something just kind of cheap and easy like we ran, you know. It, it was nothing like a fake extra point. It was nothing big. But we had five extra points blocked. And it was like, goodness gracious. And it was the same thing, you know. Bad, bad, bad coaching.
0: Two, yeah, two NFL. I mean, obviously, Alan Lowry's alleged and, and, you know, 20 years special teams coordinator. And you, man, I'm sure you guys were able to clean that up real quick.
1: Apparently not. We had five. It, it Who's like frustrating to know? I mean, <clears throat> it's not hard to tell your tight end to quit blocking down. This is your guy that you have to help with your wing because if there's the Skinners coming around, you got to stab in, and any rocker out there, right? Well, the tight end's got to help too, right there in that jumper, not go inside. And it was like turning the shoulder, and then the the wing would turn the shoulder for the for the Skinner. And it was like, really, it's like the party into the Red Sea. I, I don't even know what to say. Secondary,
0: baby. maybe primary and secondary. That's yeah, part of it.
1: <laughs> hey, maybe a little bit during the time when film study, where we're saying, "Hey, guys." This is what you got to be – this is where they're going to bring it, you know. But we were tight up the middle. We did a good job blocking up the middle. It was just out the outside. It was, it was a struggle. And we – and a lot of times usually see that Skinner kind of where the wing kind of steps back and like opens the gate, and that really wasn't the issue we had. It was, it was in between the, uh, the wing and the, and, and, and the uh, tight end. I want to go back
0: real quick on something you were talking about, Brett Kern. Okay, so he was on the fourth down experience, Brian Jackson, and he was talking about, you know, getting really good fundamentally and almost exactly what you said, right? Like, I don't go out there and hit five O's. He says, I can put a 45 yard ball, you know, maybe four, five, four, two hang time uh, in a trash can and just got really good. So if the game's on the line, you know, and, and last second, and we need a punt I can rely on. I know I can do that. I think it's so important for younger guys to understand that because. Every freaking high schooler, they go to these camps, right? And they're like, "I just want to hit a freaking five all right down the middle of the field." It's like get good direction. But, but you know
1: what? It's because coaches say that's what they have to have. Give me a consistent guy. Give me that sav rocket. That says I'm not going to hit those five seconds anymore. I want to hit you consistent balls. He bring them down to four, six, four, seven. And yeah, you want that? You can have that monster leg. But that goes back to proving. Exactly what you're saying with what Brett has been able to do for his career up to this last year, you know, getting his arm broken. Um, he went to three straight Pro Bowls and was an All-Pro the year before. He's really – and I wouldn't say this to your guys. You know, they're, they're great guys. I mean, pro if you're a pro punter, you're really good, okay? I'm not taking that away from anybody. But there's some that are just – a little bit elite on top of that and and that's Brett and not only that he's just an elite person on top of his abilities on the field but when you when you kind of go back to it needs to be an education for these guys and and again some of the camps it's like yeah you you're 50 you're, you're you know 45 yard average yes that guy's probably amazing but let's let's work on what is he doing with the rush? What is he doing with, with his hand to foot? You know, can he directionally do things? I mean, th- that there's, there's so much more to it. And, and it's a shame because it's hard to evaluate some of these guys because I mean, it's like herding cats. When you go to these showcases, you know, balls are flying everywhere. This is going this way. I mean, to, to be good, it's not a real environment of what you're be kicking on. And, and just so happens when you get charted, are you going to do real well? Um, it's hard. It it and, it and it's a mental aspect, and I mean, I, I try to think about it. I have talked to Jamie Cole about it one time, and I, I've talked to some other guys, uh, Randy Brown and Tyler Brown, and just some guys in that in that realm of. I don't really know if there's another way you can do it better. Um, I just wish, you know, and and, and it goes back to high school, like. You know, if you if you saw Luke have five missed kisses, uh, look, I'm I'm always. Your first one, hey, I gotta do a better job, whatever. But if you're getting the ball off on time and the ball's not coming out low and it's getting blocked off the edge, generally speaking, we've got to address those issues, but it goes against, you know, the specialists on their stats. So it's like, oh, you missed five kicks. Well, it's different if you kick it to the, you know, to the left pylon and, and you miss it. But I think it just goes back to the education of of what you know, guys like you is so vitally important who can he can see it's like, okay, this guy's got a live leg. He's got the ability to do multiple things and more schools need to uh, rely on guys like yourself. And you can have conversations with the, the Jamie Coles and, and the sailors and, and the Brandon Cornblues blues and the Brian Jacksons and say, Hey, tell me about this guy. And compare him to to who and what is he looking like and is there room for growth? Have, has he kind of maxed that out at this point? And it, what was his, you know, again, you're going back to some guys like our, from his freshman, sophomore, junior year, what are they looking like? Cause obviously junior going senior year, you usually have a pretty good idea for where most of the power five guys are, are going to go unless something crazy happens, maybe a portal change or something like that. But it seems to be more towards that way. But I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not as really versed on, on some of the, the recruiting. I thought it was a cluster of craziness watching my son get recruited and it, it was tough. You know, weird. you know, you, I, you think people are going to be straight with you and you're not really sure who they are. And I just find out that a lot of people lie about a lot of things. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, and I feel like I'm somewhat knowledgeable about this stuff. So I feel for the parents that are out there with kids that are getting recruited um, because it, it is one of these things. It's like, uh, how how do you work? All I can say is get Twitter, try to get connections, try to get, you know, relationships, try to learn who teams have had and as, as their starter, what their ages are, what their numbers looking like. And, and be realistic with yourself, because I think a lot of times, um, you know, parents think, Oh, my kids, I've had this, you know, uh, my kid, he's, he's he's good from 60 and in. Really? So, again, skip the college, skip the last two years of high school, and go straight to the pros. I mean, that's what you need to be doing, right? Because the reality is it's not, it's not the case. Um, and, and one of the things that I've said to Luke, uh, you know, with, with UCLA, I, I'll say that I have so many videos that I've sent them over the years. It's like, dude, I don't know what's going on when you're there or what's happening, snap, hole, but I'm showing you, Literally thousands of kicks over a two year period of time, basically with going your senior year, COVID, uh, what you did from the spring of junior year coming in. I had so many kicks. Like, this is what you are. Like, I had them statted from, all right, this is 30 punts from today. This is 30 punts from two days later. This is your field goal. This is your kickoffs. And, and I think, you know, and, and this is one thing looking at guys and, and evaluate. Luke was later on his. Uh, he, he was getting too much rotation his junior year on kickoffs. I could tell there was power there, but he just wasn't, it wasn't connecting right with the ball. And it took into his senior year. I mean, you, and you saw him during that time. And, and again, I'm using my son as an example for other kids to kind of say, Hey, that sounds like me. You know, I had this growth and, and, and I, even from maybe some of these guys are watching from college and, my junior year to my senior year, I was okay. But then my, my senior year to my freshman year, like, man, I had this, this growth, I got stronger. And, and, um, I, I saw that progression with with Luke. Like there was a big difference. His field goals got a little bit better. I mean, more accurate, more height, but when we're talking true raw power was in kickoffs and there are times like, Whoa, where did that one come from? I know it's in the tank. Now you got it there obviously we want to tap into that regular more regularly and again I, when i when i talk to some of these kickers and punters like okay let's work on our consistency right right now you're one out of ten and now we're getting to three out of ten let's get to the point where we can be like eight or nine out of ten are some of these better balls and and that's what we're striving for and and trying to work this consistency that kind of goes back to working with some of those tsu guys and seeing some of the inconsistencies so that we can become more consistent and accurate. Um, yeah. It's great to hit a 62 yarder. I mean, phenomenal. I mean, from the guy that hit 63, right. At, late in my years, I didn't even have the opportunity. So to have that cool opportunity, but man, I would, I would give up that 63 yarder to said, I made all my kicks before that, you know, being accurate and consistent and accountable uh, I think it's way more important.
0: Well, you brought it up. So now we got to talk about, it, okay. Take me through your 63 yarder record setting hit. All right. And I've heard the story before, but I love hearing it. Go ahead.
1: Well, I don't know if you play much golf, if some, some of the guys listening, they may be playing some golf. Um, I kind of walked out. It was right before halftime. It was opening day of 2012 season. We were. At, I was with the Niners. We were in Lambeau Field and Matter of fact, a little bit of a breeze in our face. They were they were building up these the last bit of the sky boxes. And it kind of comes down and it was coming down in the field. I mean, it wasn't much one, but it was just a little bit ahead. And it was a beautiful day, warm day. And I could see it was like, okay, here it is. There's an opportunity right before halftime. Okay, don't overswing. Don't overswing. Don't overswing. Because you know, you're off a little bit and then it's gonna draw and it's gonna be a bad kick. And then I hit it and I'm like, you really, you underswung, you underswung. It's not going to have a chance to get there. And it just kind of kept carrying, kept carrying and then hits the crossbar, bounces straight up in the air and then goes in. And, uh, usually when you hear that big clang, I was more like Cody Parkey in my career and they were usually coming back the other way, but ultimately, um, you know, bounced in, it was probably one of my last remaining positive moments as a pro, uh, I got injured a couple of weeks later. I, I had a surgery the previous season. and This is kind of a thing that kids need to realize as well too. And, you know, you can be really, really talented and you can be your highest game. Like I went to st- three straight Pro Bowls previously to that, had my surgery come back. It was kind of tough coming back. It was uh, considered sports hernia, athletic pubalgia. My rectus abdominal muscles were kind of shredding and coming off the pubis and they they had to go back in and, and kind of type it. Basically, it's kind of like a lampshade, or not a lampshade, but like a, a window shade. It was like rolling up and then my my abductors were pulling down. Just years of abuse, really. And I and I overkicked a lot as as a youth. And even as, as a pro. And um, ultimately I just kept feeling weak and I was missing kicks, but my form looked good. And I, I didn't understand why that was you know, I'd go with Brad Seely at the time, Coach Seely, and I was like, Coach, what do you see? He's like, Dave, it looks good. And it was, what we were finding out was that some of my muscles in, in my pelvic floor were shutting down because of inflammation, because of my surgery. And I just kind of re-injured it. I had slipped on a kickoff at the, uh, at the Niners facility and it was brand new turf and it was a pouring down rain. And it was like a Charlie Brown moment on a kickoff laying on my shoulder. And then the next day I kind of came out and I felt this kind of tightness in my stomach and or in my lower abs. And it was just kind of that feeling. I was like, uh Oh, here it comes. And um, at one point got like nine cortisone injections at one time and it down in your groin which is just lovely but basically i had had a terrible year we went to the super Bowl i got released the next next spring to um you know and re- released injured had two surgeries after that season and so that was three surgeries in a 16 month period from my last pro Bowl to the, my last game with the um the Detroit Lions uh, was 22 months. That was the end of my career. So I was pushing. I was on the pinnacle, like, yeah, man, things are good. And then phew, out. At one point, if you included preseason games, I think I was 11 to 13 for over 50 yard field goals from my first game with the Niners till to, to that 63 yarder, including preseason stuff, which doesn't matter. My first kick, you know, I I I uh, I get to the to the Niners and the first time. I'm on the field for the Niners was for not a kickoff, not an extra point, a 59 yard field goal. And uh, like, well, I guess, welcome to the Niners. Here we go. You know, it was, it was in New Orleans preseason game and and I hit it and uh, doesn't count, but it was just, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, okay, new beginnings, here it goes. Uh, Andy Lee was holding for me, does a great job and great guy and still, you know, doing his thing. And uh, it was just kind of fun to be, say all right this is and of course it doesn't count but just it's like all right this this we're gonna do something And that year we went on to, to break the nfl record of 44 yards or 44 field goals in, in a season take
0: me through this too because you're not a big guy right you're you're 5'9 five, 5'10 five, mm-hmm. on a good day but i mean so explosive on a good day like, yeah on a good day right? but so explosive right and and my question for you is is what was the mindset on those Fifty-plus field goals. Does anything change, or, or you know, why do you think you were able to be so successful on those longer field goals?
1: Well, I think earlier on in my career, I was known for a guy that was that had a pretty strong leg. That you know, kind of the opposite of Brett Kern. Brett was is very good at his direction. He was so so precise that I probably was not as precise. Right, I I was more of a guy that had a strong leg, and I just needed to bring those those kicks in. And, um, for me, I, I did do something with, with John Harbaugh. He got me away from hitting a very high rainbowing arcing kick. And, uh, he's like, I, I really need you at the veteran stadium. I need you to get the ball to the upright, get it there, get it through the wind, get it there. Like, okay. So worked on really kind of hitting us an ascending ball versus a high kind of arcing ball. Right. Um, Not everybody can be Justin Tucker that hits a high ascending ball, you know, but that, that really helped me to kind of solidify. I was getting the ball to the uprights pretty quickly for, for our time period of of kicking. Um, So anyway, that being said, um, 53 and in, I basically did the same exact kick. It was like an 85% shot just, smooth through what I would do on an extra point. And then I would start to have to, if it was colder or whatever, I could put a little more hip into it. And I'd just add the slightest little, you know, aiming over to the left for me because uh, my ball would come up, come in just a little bit. And that was basically it. I mean, it wasn't a significant difference, but, uh, you know, you start to get to the point where you overswing and then your hips come too much and then you fall off the ball and then you actually end up hitting less because you're kind of coming across it. Instead of still getting that that downfield vertical swing,
0: talking about Coach Harbaugh and and you know kind of trying to almost drive it more right or, or hit it uh, quicker, was that were you hitting up higher in the ball? Was it more your swing, your fall through at the target?
1: I, I just kind of hit a little different, a little higher on the ball, and I would I would I always had my ball kind of tilted a little bit in in a forward manner, opened up that sweet spot a little bit more for me. That's something. That I mean, some guys like it pretty straight up and down. I, I have it just a little bit on that that forward tilt side there. Now, I mean I'm still saying they're high as the uprights, you know, as it's climbing, right? But you know, you, you see some of these guys, especially with the uprights five yard, or five feet, even higher. I mean, they're just still climbing, and there can be a point of hey, that's too much height because you can get. Now, coaches will say, Oh, it's not too much hype. No, no, no. Once it hits its deceleration point, the wind can really grab it. Um, and then there's 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 moments you, you you play in games where you're like, Well, I'm gonna drive this one, and then you drive it, you're playing it maybe outside the post at that time with the weather conditions or whatever, and you drive it through the wind, you know, and you're just trying to find that that happy medium everywhere. My favorite
0: story is that you told was you guys were at Lincoln financial and this was, I believe the first year they'd opened the stadium and just the wind. Do you remember telling the story, talking about the mm-hmm. wind and playing it and you had a little kid that told you you sucked. Um, can you, can you rehash that? Cause I'm not doing it justice.
1: Um, it was, it was actually the fourth and 26 game for Eagles fans out there to remember Freddie Mitchell caught a fourth and 26 from Donald McNabb. Um, We went down, hit uh, a game-tying kick against the Packers for the divisional playoff game, and then I hit a game-winning kick. But earlier in the game, I hit, I think it was like a 33-yarder, and I missed it, and I was on the left hash. And back then, there was one opening in the southwest end zone, and then it was come over, and then he had two openings on the north side. Well, if you've ever kind of walked between two skyscrapers in the cold winter, you open a door, it's like you can feel this kind of sucked in the air. That's when you had a south wind in the winter time. That's what it was like. It would come shooting across towards the visitor side, hit the visitor side, and disperse out the north end zone. So it was way easier to kick in, you know, into the north way with, with that wind kind of pushing there because it really didn't move the ball too much. It just kind of gave you some push down towards the uprights. But when you got to the goal line the other way in the south end zone, towards kicking towards 95, it would hit a wall and then just blow. Well, I'm 33 yards out. I'm thinking, okay, I can aim, you know, pretty much my normal spot, and that thing's just going to power straight up and through. Well, this thing went up and just went left. And I mean, it didn't miss by much. I mean, but it moved in 33 yards, it moved about eight to 10 feet left as a left-footed guy that struck a ball. Well, it should have fallen in a couple of feet, not gone the other way. And I got over to the sideline and there's like a 90 or 10 year old kid on the sideline. I was like, man, I'm talking to, to the guys. I'm like, hey, I don't know what happened. Like I hit it good. I, that wind just, boom. it just struck it. Like, hey, acres, get your head out of your ass. You'll look, le- dude, are you serious? I looked for him at the end of the game after I kicked the game winner. You happy now, kid? We wouldn't have needed it, I guess, if uh, you know, we, did, if we had made that kick. Thank goodness I had the opportunity later to, to tie it up. And But I will tell you, the game tying kick, I came back out of halftime and I really went down. I worked that area. I actually, so I like the ball a little tilted, um, about five, 10 degrees to the holder on a normal, on normal kick. And I had the ball straight up and down. So if it was in a normal condition, I would have probably pulled it. I aimed outside the right upright and the ball went up and then slid back across and was about, you know, just on the the left side of middle third by the time it slid in. And if I had not come out at, at, at halftime and really said, okay, let me aim here, it was one of those things where I said, I just got to trust the wind. I told Coy Detmer, I said, and with eight years together, I said, Coy, I need a little less. I need it more straight up and down. He knew what that meant. You know, say, so I need a little bit more bite in this. And he, he, we had our own little lingo. He was, he was just phenomenal holder. Um, for a guy that was a third string quarterback for, for most of his career, uh, but was Basically, the, the, the number two for a lot of the reasons because they would have to have three guys um, in, in quarterback, you know. Up, So it, it's just he's back up, but really was the third string kind of for most, most of his career. But when I tell you a phenomenal holder, just a natural athlete, he, he looks like a, an insurance salesman, you know, has no muscle tone at all, brilliant with his knowledge of the game. Anything that's hand eye coordinated, dominated. Golf, ping pong, it didn't matter. Shooting baskets, phenomenal, phenomenal. But we called him Natchie because he was natural just at whatever he did. He was just Natchie. So, it, you know, I was fortunate. that You're not going to see great kickers with subpar holders. You're just not. You can see good kickers become great kickers because of superb holders, and I was pretty fortunate to have Koi and Mike Bartram, and then John Dornboss, the, the magic man after that. Well, and I, I think a lot
0: of people don't understand that, right? Like my dad has listened to some of my podcasts and the phenomenal guests we've had on. And kind of like you said, like normal people don't understand the intricacies of like what goes into having a great kick, right? That hold is so important. But also what I want to touch on was that's something I tell my guys at halftime or, or pregame is like you really need to go and test yourself. Test yourself with, you know – maybe gain some confidence going with the wind, but then go against the wind, right? You need to kick on both sides to understand how is this going to affect my ball? Because you're right. That's so important. And that helps you. I mean, were you scared at all in that game time kick about, man, you know, I might pull this or, I mean, you knew the wind, but to me personally, I'd be freaking out. Like, geez, if I, if this ball stays true, it's going to go way outside the uprights.
1: Again, it's trusting your ability. Um, Look, I'm not telling you I, don't get, I didn't get nervous. I mean, I was, I was sometimes trembling inside, but it's funny. I'm going to do a talk uh, in, in, a, in a couple weeks, and I'm speaking on fear not. And there's, there's a point inside of us that the pressure that happens in life can either develop us into diamonds or it can turn us into dust. And the agony of defeat is way stronger than the thrill of victory. So when I when I go out there, I mean I had a sponsorship with Pepto Bismol for years because I was like before the games, I was like, oh my gosh, my stomach, right? Probably hit the head nine times. But the reality is I would use fight instead of flight when that adrenaline would come. And I would use it for power. And I actually got stronger a lot of times. The idea of it can either, it can crush you, it can turn you into dust, but you have that fight or flight that's always going to be there in life. And if you don't have that mentality of like, I want this game to come down to me being the hero. If you don't have that internally, if you're saying, "Eh, I want them to score a touchdown, you're not in the right position you got to have that. You, I mean, there, there are going to be moments of doubt in time, but you're going to be filled at times where when everything comes down to it, you've got to say, I ultimately want to be on the field and I want to be that guy that, that they look to to says he can get it done and you want to be the guy that says, I know I can get it done and then you actually go out and do it. But if you you're just either – Really ignorant, or just don't understand, or don't care about life. If you're going out in that situation and you don't feel the pressure on you, because it's there. I mean, that's you're either hero or you're the goat. One, one of the two, right? And I don't mean the goat in a positive way in this one, right? And I mean, there's times I've missed them, but I, I feel like a majority of those kicks went through. Um, you know, for, for my generation of of how we were as, as kickers, I, I, I'm I'm I feel very um, proud of what I was able to do. Um, and, and there's some, I mean, phenomenal guys that came before me and kind of paved the way and taught me, like I've shared before the John Casey's, the Norm Johnson's the, the Morton Anderson's that said, Hey, let me help you get to be better. And That's kind of some of the stuff that you're doing. What I, we're doing tonight, just this tell these guys like, Hey, yeah, the pressure is going to be on you. You're going to grab it. You're going to say, I'm going to fight this guy. I, I got this. You know I'm going to fight this this internal uh, angst that I have, and no, I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to dominate this. I mean, you're telling me that Justin Tucker isn't out there, and nuts are in his throat. Come on, it's there. He realizes it, but he is ready to fight. He's not flying. He is fighting, and that's the guy that you want at Virginia Tech. That's the guy that these colleges want, and that is the thing that you can't see on a film, and a lot of these coaches don't know. You you want that guy in the foxhole with you. You want that dog. You really do want that dog out there with you. And um, and when that pressure's on, look, by the time he's out of his four years at Virginia Tech or out of his high school career, I don't care where the journey is for these guys. Maybe at the pro level, you you can look back and say, you know, after all that, I feel like it came out with a diamond as a diamond. You didn't crush me. Well, and
0: it's, it's huge, right? That's, like, something to look for. You know, my, my question to you, and because you've been in, around a ton of guys that have that, right, because that's what it takes to play at the NFL level. What does that look like, To Can you – is there a characteristic or two? Like, maybe, hey, they put in the hard work all the time, and I can see that they put an extra work, in. that's how it stands out. Or what is that dog – what is that – having that extra, you know, mindset, uh, what does that look like?
1: Well, I do believe, I don't care what profession you're in, if you do it well, it's way more intricate than, and you've put a lot of time and pressure on yourself to, to be good at, at practicing. It's kind of the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. Your 10,000 hours is just the start to become an expert. Well, how do you become... An elite expert. That's the even more hours that are put into it. You know, knowing what's going on around you, you know, awareness of what you're if you're talking a punter, what's happening in front of you, starting to realize what a, a six box, seven box, eight box work. You know, you've got a corner roll coming in. What 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 is it, right? What what are you looking at? So you got to be a student of the game. You gotta be a student of your of your technique. And you got to be real with yourself. I I feel like one of the things today, especially in social media, like everybody projects like this perfect life, right? And these these punters and kickers, I I see a lot of videos of – I mean, there's some guys trying to make it to pro levels that, you know, they show, oh, why is this guy not in the league? Because he apparently is not very good. And there's a reason that he's showing you his one to five kicks – out of 50 that he's made and give me Justin Tucker that he can show you he's made 48 out of those 50 not five I can show you that even the, the bottomless guys are just really good and there's not a big leg difference majority between the top guy and the bottom guy you may have five yards six yards something like that which is a long way But those guys are really good. We're talking three or four kicks is the difference generally between the elite, and I mean that's how accurate and how consistent you have to be. Well, so again, back to your question, like what is it? Being a student of the game is it putting in that time? You know, learning to do the little things that make you, you know, I talk to pro kickers. They don't even work with their holders on working on a right to left win and a diagonal in your face win a uh, left to right, like they, they don't work. I'm like, how do you not know what? I just aim different. Why? What if you can aim the same by a little tweak of the ball because you have the connection with your holder that says, I need that little bit and you can be able to trust in him and he can trust in you. And you'll be able to have success without playing it outside the sticks. I mean, for me being a left-footed guy, and I have it in my face left to right win, and it's going to accentuate a, a pull over dude, I need a little bit more tilt to the ball and keep that ball from turning over. I'll see back to what you're talking about with, with your, with your, with your kickers going out pregame. Yeah. Obviously try to figure out both sides, but I would miss kicks on purpose. Not saying, Hey, I'm, I'm playing balls to see how much I can move it before it's out of place. Like, okay, well, that's too much. Although when I got to there, it really went, you know, and, you, you play through that, those things. I mean, I know Phil Dawson would go so early in the morning to, to, the, to the stadiums and walk around. And he'd know the weather reports. And even I, I see some of his, his stuff for his high school. He's letting guys know the weather reports because that's how you know you're a student of the game, you're a student of your position, you're a professional in every aspect. That's important. If you're not, you're, you're going to be good. You're not going to be great. I, I actually said something to a kicker online. He, I mean, showed he had talent. He has strong leg, and I I threw something out there, and the guy got a little defensive with me. And I said, "Look, try to model yourself after people that are extremely successful in their in their performance, as their abilities and their technique, and then also, you know, develop your own. But when you're trying to do something that only a few people have had success with, I, I I think sometimes." that's a, should be a red flag. Like they haven't really had success doing it this way. So I'm going to try it that way. And he kind of took it in a wrong manner. I said, dude, I'm trying to help you get better. You can take it or leave it. You know, don't, don't, don't take offense to it. I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I'm trying to help you. And he since went and worked with a guy that I kind of see eye to eye with on a lot of things. And The first thing that guy did is said, you need to change this aspect that I had talked about. And we didn't even have a conversation about it. And then he found out that I had said that to this gentleman and this guy's talented. I said, but do you want to be good or do you want to be great? And that's got to be a decision because if, if you're not going to guys like yourself, and, and again, those other guys that are out there that are truly doing this for the right reason, that know what they're talking about, if you're truly not trying to get better each and every day, then you're staying stagnant and you're actually going to get worse. It's that performance of pushing yourself on a daily basis and with something you love. and And to have passion for something. You have to be willing to sacrifice. The original definition of passion is, is the martyrdom, the, the sacrifice of Christ. That's where passion comes from, the passion of Christ. We, it's since been developed in, in a, def, a definition of, of, of a barely controllable emotion. So you have to have something that you're willing to suffer the sacrifice for. So to be great at something, you're going to sacrifice time. You're going to sacrifice resources. You're going to sacrifice maybe relationships with people. But that barely controllable emotion is what gives you the, the, the fuel to, to be willing to sacrifice. And so if you want to be great at kicking, punting, snapping, holding, and a, whatever you're doing in life, you've got to have the passion. You have to be willing to sacrifice for it. And you have to have that fuel constantly, you know, getting cut three different times. I was ready to be done after the second one, you know. I was ready to be done with the third one. And my wife said, give it one more shot, you know. You have to have that fuel continue to push you and and have to have that team around you to says, look, you're good, but you got to have people that really are realistic with you too. You can't be that high school. There there was a kid that I I caught in in high school and it was a brilliant kid. Brilliant. And I had a conversation with the dad. I was like, look, I mean, I'll come out here. I'll I'll charge you, but it's just, it's, it's not for him. But he really wanted the kid to go to college to kick. And I'm like, dude, he can't hit from the sideline to the first hash on a high school field in the air. He is not going to play in a collegiate level at all. And this guy was not a freshman. This was a junior. He could make extra points. And basically, you know, the dad got all mad at me. Like, you're going to make him better? I'm like, dude, I don't have that ability. Like people are like, well, how do you make his legs stronger? It's like, do you understand the first time I went onto a field, and I tried to kick a football really through uprights, just really messing around. The first day I hit a 45-yarder, and I was a sophomore in high school. And I knew nothing. It was off the ground. Not that that was something spectacular. I didn't know what I was doing. But, but the reality is, is there are people that are training, and they can't do half of that almost. So you're, you're not going anywhere. I, and, I, and I use this analogy. No matter how hard I try, there's zero chance I'm throwing a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Will not happen. I can train as much as I want. I can go to every arm expert and, and biomechanics person out there. I don't have that it factor there. So some of these people, yes, you can have some ability. And usually a guy that has an eye like, whoa, wait a minute. I heard something there. We can work with that, right? Versus if you don't have a leg, like really, you can work on accuracy and you can have a good journey for your time frame. But don't – and again, coaching down here in Nashville, I had, I've had parents tell me that you know, unless I can get their kid to an SEC school, they, they don't want their kid to play. And I'm like, everybody's got a journey. It might be an amazing high school experience for him. He might be able to go to a D2, D3 school – and have a network of people that changes the course of his life and meets with people and they become the next, whatever entrepreneurs out there. It doesn't mean it's there to the NFL or it's the sec or bus or power five. Like there's so many positive opportunities and I hope that some of these young kickers can be more realistic. And some of the guys I talk with, I'm like, Hey, Be realistic with yourself. Well, I want to go to this school, this school, and this school. Like, yeah, those are all power five schools and you hit 50 yard field goals. You don't hit 60 yard field goals. There's a big difference. What about some of the FCS schools? Is there anything maybe there you could get into? And, you know, it's, it's hard to get them to to think anything other than, so one other thing is be realistic with yourself.
0: What do you kick? Shoot, you're speaking, you're preaching to the choir here, Dave. Like I was a a guy that, you know, um, obviously I had high aspirations, you know, but came out of high school, and I was 5'9", I don't know uh, too many uh, SEC schools that are looking for a, a midget, you know what I mean? So I went to a JUCO. Easy, 5'9
1: is not midget. Come on. Yeah,
0: no. well, maybe not Small for you. I was I was skinny, you know what I mean? But uh, went to junior college, and then, you know, I got an offer from a tiny Division two school in HBCU in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. the other side of the country. And my parents looked at me like, we're not going to send you there. You're getting like a $6,000 scholarship, you know. But it was that opportunity, and it was because I was very passionate about what I did. I said, I want to make the most of this. And I ended up, you know, I was god-awful my first season. But I ended up setting the, the record longest punt in the nation in 2015 and, um, you know, had a lot of success kicking field goals there and was able to transfer to a Division One school and, and got to play some cool teams. And then it led me to where I'm at here. So I 100% agree with you that you have to be realistic, and it's so important from that from that aspect.
1: It's all about the journey, brother
0: hundred percent hundred percent and the other thing that I like too there was uh you know I was saying what does that look like well you said passion and sacrifice and you're a hundred percent correct with that like you can tell kids that have sacrificed or given up things just to make it to come into a camp or you know just to get the opportunity to work out with you and that's that you know that's eye-opening especially for a young kid who's 16 or 17 I mean some of these kids don't know what they want to do with their lives, you know? So right. making that sacrifice at that age, that you're right. That's a, that's a good thing that I'll, I'll keep in mind.
1: Absolutely. and I mean, all these division one guys are sacrificing each each and every day. Um, and, and I hope they put this on the resume, like getting up six o'clock in the morning, training every day, basically 12 months a year now um, working recovery, working as a team, self-discipline, self-motivation, uh, you know, hopefully eating properly. Um, you know, pushing yourself to new limits. whether, how you train? You know, on the field. I think that that athletes in general that that do that. I, I'm putting most. Okay, let's let's go back 25 years ago. Maybe some of the kickers that were out there weren't weren't as athletic, but there are some extremely athletic kickers out there these days, and uh, and they can do some amazing things on the field. I, 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 I can attest to that. Um, so seeing that, I mean, that's, that's real world experience and resume building aspects that, you know, you can go back to your coach and say, coach, can you, can you write me a recommendation? Because that coach can be like, dude, always on time, never a problem, works his tail off. And listen, if I'm owning a company, I'll teach you, what I need you to, to learn. But I need that type of person that says, I'm going to show up every day, I'm going to grind, I'm going to get everything I got. And for a better per- a purpose uh, than myself, and we use it as a team. And it's amazing to talk to corporations. That's one of the stuff that I do is I, I go talk to, to corporations. And, and and I use this analogy, like, look at look at a kicker. A kicker stands back. There's 10 guys in front of him, 20 feet working in use, and you got the snap, you got the holder, you got the line protecting. The kicker has to rely on all those people to do their job to the best of their ability before a kicker can even attempt to do his job. So we have to be working in unison as a team. And I have to be, to, for me to have success, it is to re- completely rely on the people in front of me. How many times in a business are people not relying on each other? And, and so ultimately, for me, it is the team game for the guys in front of me. And so I, I was always thankful for, for my own line. Uh, every Friday, they got donuts. You know, D line, even, I gave them donuts and uh, taking care of my snapper, my holder, going to Pro Bowls, flying them over to Hawaii. You know, different presence of thank you for making me better. Uh, again, I was probably a good kicker that was able to have some success because of the people in front of me. And, uh, we have to identify who those people are in life. And again, this is not kicking right here. This is life. And I'm very fortunate to have those guys a part of my team of life. And uh, you realize who, who your team members are, the people that are on the bench, the people that, that are your starters, you're all pros that, that are out there and, and you can rely on, on, on a daily basis. And it's interesting, the guys that come in and out of your life that, you know, maybe someone will get, you know, for using the cliche, maybe they get a uh, free agent somewhere else, but they were part of your team for a while and, and made you better there too, and and again, it's it's about the networking and understanding who those people are coming in and out of your lives, and it makes you better. So, uh, to to your listeners there, I, I don't care if you're, you're a coach, you're you're a player, you're you're looking on to to life, uh, continue just to push to get better and realize who your team is and, and rely on them. You hit the nail on the head
0: there. And you've you've met some so many cool people, man, and you know. So, kickers that are listening, get all your teammates donuts. That's what we're saying here um (laughs) hey
1: they like it man They they do they do like it
0: whatever works right i want to backtrack not go too far back but i really want to hear your process you kind of touched on a little bit before field goal you're on the sidelines you know it's third down you've crossed the the 50 the 45 yard line what's your mental process like you Mm -hmm. know what are you you know breathing are you doing anything different breathing wise what are you visualizing what's that process like
1: so I, I was one of those guys that was in the net all the time. I uh, wasn't kicking full shots, but just I wanted that feel of that swing. I mean, it was a little bit more than a waggle, but it was actually just a you know, come through and just get that swing and good foot, you know, foot the ball, contact. Um, I start to see, you know, okay, this is down we are. And I would always start on the – so instead of – if we if, say we're going south, I would be on the north side at third down so that as I walked out in the field, the goalposts were even closer. So I would never run on the field. I, at best, would it be a slow trot? I mean, a, almost a fast walk. I wanted my legs to feel like they did in practice. So I wouldn't go run all the time in practice and then and go kick. So I would have my – when you get a lot of blood flow, your legs are going to be tighter, right? I wanted them as loose and as flexible as possible. So I would just go on the field very, very light. I would find my mark. Deep breath. Target line. Take my three steps back. See where my alignment is. Take my two steps over. See my alignment. See the ball or the, or the spot's going to be. Look back up again. Release it all and just react. Now, I was a martial artist for, for many years. And a lot of times we're talking Jiu Jitsu or we're talking Shaolin Kempo. The the way you get neuromuscular memory is doing the same kind of thing in slow kind of motion. Like, all right, I'm going to block here and I'm going to come across here and I'm going to come here. Right. And you do a one, two, three, you can call it kata, whatever you know, just different mo- mo- movements Okay, I'm gonna go block here and I'm gonna slide her arm around and I'm gonna go this takedown. And then you start to speed things up, right? And then it's right. And then you start to spar and you get that. The reason why is that once you get that muscle memory in there, if you get to a fight, you're not going, I'm going to block one and I'm coming to punch two. You know, you you can't do that, right? So I would actually try to take my mind out of the game and let my neuromuscular memory kind of take over. I Me mean, find my alignment. Yeah, you got wind variations, you got the field, whatever. But one thing that I the one thing I would say, just get through the ball. If I got my momentum through the ball, generally speaking, the ball would go where I want it to. You start thinking, eh, I'm gonna fall off, or I'm you know, maybe the footing's not so good, I'm worried about that, or get through the ball. So I think guys need to find what works for them. And I've said that to my own son, like. What works for me doesn't work for you. you got to find, you know, if if he's working on it, it's like, okay, drop over the foot or small first step or first step going towards target or get the ball out. I don't know what it is. Foot lock. I don't know. It's for you. What's that one thing? Don't start thinking three, four different things. You're going to think about it. Uh, You know, I I love water skiing. I, I train in it. I compete a little bit in it. It, it. It is an exhilarating adrenaline pumping competing against yourself to get better and i started very late and I'm, I'm mediocre at best but i love it and um there are things that the movie up you remember seeing the movie up the little dog you know has this like voice box on it he's throwing a ball a guy throwing a ball to him, and he in this voice box the, the humans can hear what he's saying right he's like ball 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 whatever and then he throws it he's like squirrel he goes running for the squirrel right That's kind of me like skiing wise at times. Like if I have multiple things like, okay, I'm going to work on this, this, and this on this one. I get up to the top of the gates. I'm about to go through the gates and go through the six buoys skiing. I get to the top of the gate and squirrel. I forget it all, right? So find that one thing that you can say, I'm going to work on this each and every time. And that's your go-to. You know, psychologists talk about, you know, a catchphrase or whatever. Find what works for you um i tried to be as rhythmical but not any sort of like ritualistic like i gotta do this i gotta eat this in the morning i gotta wear this this way and i gotta walk the certain way and i didn't do any of that i just tried to say as much as i could do the same consistent things that i can hopefully be consistently accurate as much as possible
0: sure sure i hear that percent. and that's like having i know some guys call it or i've always called that a mental cue right have a mental cue to the ball. I love that. I know Shane Graham says smooth. Um but something you're focused on. I think I in retrospect, I did it too much where I had before a game I had four or five things that I'm going to focus on, you know. And I would work and I I I think there's some um there's some value in doing that in practice. You know, to, absolutely to focus practice. on things.
1: It, it, great point. Some of the things in practice again I'm very technical. So in practice that's when you work on your list. That's when you're like, okay, I want to work on my drive step. You know, for younger guys, I want to work on drive step. I want to work, make sure I'm releasing my plant down the field. And, and my follow through is going up uh, to my armpit and not swinging horizontally, whatever that may be. And that's getting through the ball, right? That's everything tracking where you want it to be. But those are the keys in practice that you're, you're, you're breaking back to here, here, right? And, and in the game, it's just, there it is. So when you get through the
0: game, you've crossed out, yeah, all those four, I got my one get-through-the-ball phrase, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm telling myself every time. Yeah. Absolutely. I really like that. And then also, we've talked about this before, but it reminded me of it. Can you talk a little bit of proprioception and how you work that, you know, with Luke and, and work on your balance and your, your follow-through and just work on that motion?
1: Again, I think going back to my martial arts days where, um, you know, kicker's – and parents, oh, they're left-legged or right-legged. And like, man, got to work on getting that leg strong. Like, dude, your strength comes from the opposite side first off. And you got to work the core. You've got to work being explosive. But you've got to be in balance. If you can't control yourself, you're not going to be um, able to maximize your power. So if you're coming in and you're posting that leg, and your leg is just so uh, falls off because you don't have the strength and you don't have the the balance to be able to, to go heel and then release toe and then, and then go downfield. It's just going to be boom, plant and then fall and it's going to look very robotic, right? We want to be fluid and going through it, but we want it kind of downfield in, in a perfect scenario, right? And now everybody has a little bit different form, but I love that that downfield motion. And again, I don't want to say that you know, Shane, uh, Graham's way was perfect. And I don't want to say that my way was perfect or any, by any stretch, but then if you look like a guy like Matt Bryant, you're like, I don't think I would ever teach him, but it sure worked for that guy for a lot of years. Right. So I don't, and I, and I I would say that to Matt personally. I mean, I think Matt was phenomenal kicker. So I'm not trying to just, to, to, again, put any shade on the guy at all. He was phenomenal, but I don't know how he didn't break his ankle. You know, because he plants and it just rolls so hard and comes over. Um, so I don't know if I would say that's, that's what we would want to teach. Uh, and Sean Landetta told me before, he's like, Dave, I, I have an it. I, don't, I wouldn't teach somebody to punt like I punt. He's a pull punter. Drops the ball like this. He has no grip on it really except for his thumb on the side. He slides his hand right out. And he bombed it for 23 years in the NFL. So, I mean, yeah, there's that. So, ultimately, I I don't know if I I answered your question correctly, but basically the proprioceptor muscles in your legs, strengthen those, get in the balance. So I would put Luke on on, um, foam pads, BOSU ball, single leg, throw balls to them and make him catch where eye movement was all around and then also work his swing in slow motion, so that he could go plant release and up this is kicking actually uh and then we go into punting as well and just practice swinging up and have every everything over i like my shoulders in front of my hips as soon as our hips get in front you know people like why don't hit the back of the ball like why am i cutting the ball because it's up on your shin you're not getting the ball out and what they'll do is they'll, they'll lean back and they'll be like it's here it's it's all the way out like no it's not you can just if you watch like guys like Sam Martin, like chess is over, you know, Dan Orner's another guy. I think he's a really great, uh, uh, you know, some guys have their, their, their talents in certain areas. And, and I'm not again, trying to throw shade on, on, uh, on Dan we've, we've discussed and, and, you know, I I love having um, technical discussions with people. And I think we all learn from that, but I had Luke go down because I think he does a great job Punting and working on guys on kickoffs, um, and and I'm not taking any away from his, his field goal kicking either. I'm I'm just saying I think he excels in his punting. I love how his punters are sh- his chests are over their hips and they're exploding out towards their target. They're going downfield. They're not leaning back. The ball they're they're not falling backwards. Um, and and by doing that, you just see the ball shoot off. And, and again, I think Sam Martin's a uh, a phenomenal guy that can do all. Basically, he, he's a guy in college kicks and you know punts. You know, so kicks off and is just very talented. And and again, that is the type of a- athlete we want to be looking for. But let's train our bodies to to be as well rounded. And in the martial arts, for me, is I found that if you get strong in one side, if you're swinging left legged, I'm left legged, right? So if I'm swinging that left leg all the time, that right leg has been my post and that's my strength. I'm only going to be so strong if I weight lift because there's an imbalance in my body, but the more I can swing that right leg and and balance it out, then I can get stronger again. It's like, if there's an imbalance of of quad to hamstrings, like you're going to have issues, right? So you want to keep that, that ratio um, as even as possible. So we overkick so much. And again, I, my, my, uh, my trainers, when I was with the Eagles, Rick Burkholder, who's the head trainer for the, uh, for the chiefs, he would tell us, you know, come out and he's like, he threw soccer balls in our, in our bag. He's like, I want you all kicking opposite legs. I want you to kick a bunch of balls opposite legs during training camp, but you know, just, just, just get the motion. I don't need you making field goals. I just, just tapping balls back and forth just to get that work on the other side. But in the off season, I did tons of kicks, different directions on both legs because it brought out and balanced my body. How many kicks would
0: you do with both legs?
1: As far as like, you know, in off Maybe,
0: season? maybe in a session. Yeah. Maybe in no, a day. No, no,
1: or... no, no, no. Not fuel goals. Karate kicks. Yeah. So I would do, you know, front ball kick, front blade, you know, side blade, back kick, um, inside, outside, you know, kick, you know, as far as uh, that goes. And then, you know, kind of the, a crane, which would kind of be like the, the, the Karate Kid type of, of kick, but both legs exploding off. But it's interesting because it works your hips in all four kind of directions. Um, and by doing that, I mean just I think it's it's a great thing. I would I would teach if I was out with, with the kickers and I had them, I would work through that, especially in in the off season. I would I would say, okay, th- you're going to be doing this type of of training here. And, and really work both sides, strengthen everything else. Since we've talked.
0: talked about that, it might've been a year or two ago. I always mix that in with my workouts now and my back and my hips feel so much better.
1: Oh, absolutely. You're, you're getting way more range of motion and mobility in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's When you. we get older, we start losing mobility because we don't do as much and, you know, things tighten up on him. Mostly. So the more we can keep things open and, and, uh, and mobile as much as possible. And that's one of the things, reason why I ski so much when I, first stop playing and i didn't work out i hurt worse than when i was you know playing honestly it's like this doesn't make sense he's like you've got to stay your body's so used to it for so many years you have to stay trained or else you're you're just gonna hurt and and it's really true that's that's kind of been my driving force and you're
0: pretty dang good man don't take anything away from yourself I'm I'm, I'm
1: i'm an okay wally recreational guy but i i like I, I wouldn't be better. Um, again, so in four years, I've done a decent job at, for what I've been able to do, but, uh, I love it. Come on out sometime. Give it a shot.
0: Definitely, man. I'll have to, I won't be near as good as you. I have my team do some research. though, and they're like, Oh, he's really good at this. And I was like, yeah, he's a freaking athlete, man.
1: <laughs> I love it, man. I'm, I'm not great, but I, I do enjoy it.
0: It's good to have that passion. So, Cause you're competitive, man. You're just like me. And like,
1: when unfortunately playing,
0: yeah that like this is I'm, I'm now I'm freaking competing in the you know the coaching circle I couldn't stay away from it for too long so
1: you know I, I had a I had a counselor tell me one time he's like you're intense I went that ah, you you nailed me on that one and you know you go the to, to get you know some sort of interview and somebody's like what's your best attribute what's your worst like I'm probably that guy that's pretty too intense at times, like I'm this way and then, which is great, but at the same respect, eh, you're too intense at times. And, um, and I, I was, again, fortunate to have great holders that love that and were able to thrive off of that with me and, and would hear me complain to pushing them to be better and ultimately to make me better, but to make all of us better. And uh, again, just very fortunate to have great teammates that that push through that with me because um, they can be like, oh, forget him, man. I don't want to do that for him. And I was like, dude, you know, I want to be better. I want you to make me better, and I'm relying on you to make me better. And let's do this. We'll, we'll all have success. And, you know, one thing about Coy Detmer I'll say is he, he bought into that, absolutely, because he saw that if he could – let me tell you how much Coy was respected by the team. We were going to play in the playoffs. I think it was 2007, maybe. I think somewhere in there, um, we we missed a kick. We had a situation with a, with a dropped hold, a couple times, and brought it back up. And I think it was the only missed field goal other than a block under 30 yards I ever hit, hit the upright against Carolina. And um, Coy wasn't on the team that year, and they brought him back to hold in the playoffs. They signed him to be the holder. That game, that next game came back. We made a 48-yarder in the game-winning 38-yarder against the Giants. And he had held in, in a year, but – he's just, and and let me tell you, it was cold. And I said, Hey, I need a little bit on this one. And he got it down and we were right back. Like, so he realized what he, he was able to sign extensions. He played eight years as a third string. I mean, there's times he was backup quarterback, but basically a third string quarterback um, because he was a holder. He was that talented. And if guys could take that much, I, I tell, High school quarterbacks, high school – like, learn to hold. You can be very valuable in this. The punters at times, you know, some guys just don't have the ability, right? But learn to hold because you can You can always find a place on the field if you can, you can be a good holder. It just shows how much
0: NFL franchises – I mean, Andy Reid, was still coaching in the NFL, like, they valued him that much that they brought him back primarily as a holder.
1: Oh, only to hold in the game, absolutely, because they had other quarterbacks already there just that's, that's amazing it was, it was crazy football. if we would have gotten one more game he would have got an extra year of of pension and stuff because he would have been there three games he played in two that'd be pretty awesome absolutely But
0: three games hey so real quick i want to and this has been great man and i love having you on because you love talking about that technical side man you're so good at it and it's just it's awesome for me because i'm the same way you know i love talking about this um but with dealing with adversity in your career you know like you worked at a steakhouse. Uh, you were a sixth grade science teacher, which speaks to me a little bit because I taught in high school at first. You were on the practice squad with the Redskins. You were on the Berlin Thunder. Is that correct? Berlin Thunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you lost twenty pounds. Like, take me through like how how you got into the league and and just that process and how you you yeah. stayed on the path.
1: So I, I got a calls you know during the draft of uh, 97 draft and, and and it looked like I was gonna I thought go to the Steelers they, they called and said look looks like you're gonna be our next pick in the draft and they they ended up taking Michael Adams kick returner out of um Texas A&M so they took a special teams guy just they went returner instead of kicker and then I had five teams that were interested in, in bringing me in and one of them was the Falcons and one of them was Steelers as well but and then um uh, Carolina and Carolina was offering more money as, as a free agent uh, signing bonus. And uh, he must wanted me to, the most. Well, probably the dumbest decision I made in regards of actually trying to make the team, but probably the best decision I made because John case is just an amazing human being and gave it his time and, and uh, did what he could do to, to help me be a better kicker. And, and uh, obviously was not threatened too much after seeing me kick with it. So he, he helped me on my technique. Came home six months. Uh, I was I was doing um, uh, substitute teaching. I, I went to school to be in education, uh, to be in education. And what they did, they did five year program at the University of Louisville, Masters of Arts Teaching. So it was my fourth year. I got my my BS in science, or my Bachelor's in science. But um, I had been substitute teaching while I was at U of L, and so I got a permanent sub job, which was kind of weird because. I really, I mean, I did some teaching, but it was, I really couldn't dive into being really a good teacher because I didn't know if this person was coming back or not. So it was just kind of weird. But I I enjoyed that aspect. And matter of fact, uh, Keenan Burton was a student of mine, went to University of Kentucky, and then I played against him when he was with the Rams. So that was kind of interesting. So kind of longevity there. Um, But so, Ended up thinking I was going to go to play in NFL Europe that next year and ended up going down, and I trained with Doug Blevins for a while down in Vero Beach. I was waiting at uh, the Crab House in Jupiter, Florida, and I was training there, signed to the Atlanta Falcons, went through their whole offseason, had a really good camp against uh, Morton Anderson, but Morton had just signed a new deal and it looked like I was going to be on their practice squad. You know, they had to cut you to bring you back. And then the Washington Redskins called me, said, hey, we'd like to come for a workout and went there. They offered me to be on their practice squad. So I was like, do I go to the Falcons and think that's going to happen or should I just go ahead and sign with the Redskins? So I signed with the Redskins. Three weeks into it, I get activated. And um, my first kickoff was a high short kickoff. Went to the ten, like a four three seven to the ten. I kick him from thirty five, so it'd be like kicking to the five. Steve Breshad, you know, catches it. He hits it up the middle, cuts it out to the right, and just gone. Like you've got to be kidding me! It's my first real game NFL kickoff, and the guy houses. It. I had never had a touchdown on me before on a the kickoff. Then my first field goal attempt was forty eight yarder, and it goes wide right. Next one's forty nine, wide left. Like man, this 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 is done. And and I was done. Two days later, I was cut. I was ready to quit. But wife said, "Give it another year." I went back to to Atlanta because that's where we were living at the time, and uh, I started working at Longhorn Steakhouse and had a bunch of workouts and I had some really great ones and was on. You know, a couple of guys were injured, and look, you're going to be the guy if he can't go. Be ready. And well, it was like December twenty second. And about 5 p.m. of 98, I get a call. I was working out, playing basketball at local gym and you know, over the loudspeaker, come to the main office or whatever, talk to my wife. And she's like, The Eagles want to bring you in for work. I was like, Okay, when? They're like, Tonight. What? Tonight? I hadn't kicked in like a month. It was cold. You know, this is terrible. So I went to the field in the dark, you know, and kicked some balls, and it was not good. We go to Philly. I land there at like one thirty in the morning and had to be up like at six and do all the testing and all. It was zero degrees outside or 17 degrees, zero degree wind chill December 23rd, 1998, if memory serves. And I go and I had the worst workout i ever had. It was like terrible. I mean, I had pop, but I was just not good. So I catch a flight, go back to land and we're, my wife's going to pick me up. We're going to drive to uh to Kentucky to see our families for Christmas. She goes, well, how did it go? And I was like, it was terrible. It was the worst workout I had. She goes, really, your agent called. They want to sign you. Like, I wish they'd see me on a good day then, you know, but they wanted me to go to NFL Europe. So they allocated me to play over there. And then I went over there and I was doing pretty well over there. And I was trying to, to win all NFL Europe because you made a few more $100 than you were making. I think I made $700 a week after taxes um, uh, I got really sick the night before the second to last game and got hospitalized. I mean, this is a whole made for TV movie in itself. I mean, it's crazy if we got into detail, but the, the long and the short of it, I had salmonella food poisoning. I was quarantined to a, which I really didn't know much about quarantining. We do now, uh, I was quarantined in an East Berlin hospital, uh, no television, no radio, no phone, no toilet, a wheelchair with a bucket. And that was it. That was all I was able to have. I had a window with kind of uh, some clay bricks that you could see as tile bricks for the, for the roof. And I would just count those. That was kind of it. Read some books. Um, Lost 30 pounds in a week and I never tasted such good food as oatmeal, uh, baby food oatmeal. Uh, On that Thursday, I went in Sunday morning and uh, came back, I got out uh, that next sunday i believe um thursday was the first day i got to eat and so came back was really emaciated when i saw my wife she she didn't recognize me in the atlanta airport went a couple weeks later to training camp really wasn't performing that well they had chris bonial uh as the incumbent there and uh had some decent days showed some good pop on the leg but just wasn't wasn't in shape because being sick and really was, you know, Coy was trying to hold for me. i get Doug Peterson at times and Doug was a great holder. And I was like, man, why can't I get Doug? Coy's really never held. And he's not doing a very good job right now. And this is, I mean, literally just threw him out there at that time. Well, they cut Chris and they kept me to be the long field goal and kind of kickoff specialist. And they had Norm Johnson come in and he was doing mainly the field goals and there was, there's a couple of games in there where like my first field goal attempt I had tried with them was a 53 yarder and, and um, hit that kick and that kind of helped me. And then my next kickoff went out of the back of the end zone from the 30 down to Miami with balls that you couldn't work in. So, I mean, when I tell you that was a monster kick, that was a monster kick back then for me. And um, it kind of, kept solidifying. It's like every Tuesday at four o'clock, I knew I was getting another game check, you know, and that was just kind of, kind of always having to prove yourself each and every week. And I know there w- every practice that I missed a kick. I never missed the next kick. You know, they, Andy would always make me re-kick and I kicked a whole lot in practice with team. You know, he would not make Norm kick as much, but I would kick a ton. And um, I learned every day from Norm, what it was like to be a pro on a day in a day out basis. And Sean Landetta, how to how to be a, um, a person that deals with the media and, and kind of savvy of, of how to market yourself a little bit. and Just kind of ins and outs of, of the NFL as well. And, and that kind of started my career. The next year I, I won the job as, as the, the full time guy and played 11 more years uh for the eagles two with the niners and finished up in detroit so 15 total 16 years that actually played in regular season games
0: amazing thing is that like i talked to adam last week right and terry and and just like what you guys went through just to get there i mean everyone thinks oh i'm gonna go through college four years go to the league have a successful career like no you had to go through all these getting cut you know missing your first you know kick off being taken back going to freaking berlin mm-hmm. being in a dang prison cell you know and losing 30 pounds just to come back to get even a shot you know yeah. and then have this amazing career like that's that's unbelievable to me you can't make the stuff up
1: no and, and again you know tell these guys and again it maybe maybe it's not kicking but whatever in life you got to persevere through you're going to have trials tribulations hardships and you got to pick yourself up. You got to, you got to learn when you fall and fail, you fail forward and you pick yourself up and keep going. And that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell, you know, to be honest with you. And um, I didn't have a great college career, had had basically a new holder every year and um, didn't know much about it. Our coaches definitely didn't know much about it. I mean, we had a coach who was, good at you know kind of working with kickers but like special teams guy the first two years this guy was knowledgeable then the next guy yeah they may be knowledgeable they didn't work with they didn't give us time you know they basically they told you like this for a holder to get the ball down like okay let me think about this for a second you're gonna hit a ball on a on a uh, golf course and down the middle of the fairway and you're I'm gonna show you where the t is supposed to be but I'm going to move that ball on your backswing and I'm going to tell you now you still got to hit it down there. It's hard to do that. Um, and again, just, it's just the more high school and colleges can find time to work these guys in, 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 fine, in finite kind of technical ways, man. I, again, I was working with those TSU guys. I worked with them for a few moments on holding and I can't tell you how much better they got. And it's not anything away from their coaching staff they just haven't been around that. Right. And, it, and it's not, a, it's, it's not a, it's supposed to be a derogatory thing. And, oh, well they think, you know, these guys know everything. And, but if we're going to get better, you can't have it where you're getting upset or a little bit of an ego comes in. Like, I got this here and I'm not gunning for your job right now. Like I'm just trying to make us better. Right. And, and that's where, I'm excited to kind of work with some of these guys over there. Uh, Coach Burns, Coach Fisher, sons, uh, defense coordinator, Eddie George is the head coach. And just, just to spend some time with these kids. Like that's what I love to do. I've worked with U of L's guys for the last few years, uh, uh, Mason King and Blanton Crikey. They've since, you know, graduated on uh, this first year they were out, but I'd love that. Um, Amendola from uh, Oklahoma state. Who's, uh, with the Panthers right now, like I was able to work with him some and just like, he's a great kid that, you know, there's th- this new new youth talent that's out. There. It's just so good. And um, there's just so many of them because there, there's just so many great guys like yourself that are out there that, that are willing to spend the time, the effort and, um, and make these guys better. Shoot, I appreciate
0: you saying that. And, you know, a lot of that for me and my confidence comes from talking to you guys, like you and Shane and, and all these guys, man. So, yeah, it's It's pretty cool to to hear that in that technical part. I mean, TSU's got a good thing going now, man.
1: I'm happy to see – and that, yeah, they do. They have, like, Clyde Simmons there. I mean, um, Coach Burns, you know, 10 years in the, in the NFL. I mean, it they're a very talented uh, group. You know, anything that Jeff Fisher has done in the past, obviously he's got success with. So um, kind of at the college ranks is kind of interesting. I asked him, you know, one time, like, do you think you want to do that? he really didn't answer, but he kind of had a glimmer in his eye. Like, you know, maybe that's, you know, back to the root of it. Because uh, I think, you know, you saw some of those players with the Rams when he left, and I'm not taking away from Coach McVay, very, very talented coach, but they had imp- put a lot of those players in, in, in tact before, the, and then they went to the NFL, uh, you know, to, to the, the Super Bowl, you know. They built that
0: team. So, and I wouldn't say that you were, uh, you know, a slump, or anything at at Louisville man you had 36 a record 36 field goals there
1: yeah so. but I mean again we didn't kick a lot at the time and um we had a couple of years we weren't very good but I I didn't have a great percentage my senior year I, I did hit a 65 yard or off the right upright against Baylor to win the game and six inches that's all I needed six inches left and, and it would it would not have glanced off it would have been inside but I got 63 for for the uh, off the crossbar, so I guess I got it back then. That's pretty dang
0: good at that level too. So, oh man, this has been awesome. And and uh, you know I won't hold you too much longer, right? But I do have to ask you about your the the kick where you tore your hamstring. And I, I think I messaged you about this. And just seeing old clips of it, like on Instagram and stuff, is like ridiculous to me. You hit a you hit a game winning kick after you would torn your hamstring. Can you kind of talk through that real quick?
1: Yeah. So, um, week before I had kind of tweaked it on a kickoff, um, up where it connects to your, your pelvis. And, um, anyway, had an MRI, slight grade, shouldn't make it worse. You know, one of those things like, okay, well, opening kickoff, it just went and, um, it was, it's called a partial avulsion. So you have three that kind of connect at the ischial tuberosity and, like one and a half had ripped off. So the second one, if it would have completely come down, they would have done surgery. So like my team doc said six to eight weeks. I had second opinion. They said surgery. We went to a third opinion. He's like more like 10 weeks of not kicking off, but probably closer to five weeks from field goals. And it was five weeks, Uh, missed four games in a bye week. Um, But what ended up happening, it comes down to, it rips. We don't have an MRI at the time, right? So we're going, they're like, can you go? I'm like, eh, I don't think so. And this was my son, Luke's. So it was the first game he'd ever been to. He was two years old at the time. And so we're on a sideline and they kind of taped my heel and my foot and my waist. So my leg wouldn't extend. It could stay bent. And, um, they said, can, can you kick field goal at all? And so, Every time I would plant and that pressure would come in, it was as if somebody was stabbing me right at the bottom of my butt, you know, and it was just excruciating. But anyway, they had tried a couple extra points with Mark Seminoe, and he had done it the week before when I first heard it. And then Mike Bartram was towing kickoffs, towed two out of bounds, and it was a disaster. But we got down in the field goal range playing the Raiders, and, um, luckily I, I think I could have gotten the ball from probably about 40 yards, but we got into where I think it was around 23 yards and we hit a game winner. And, um, it kind of made one of those things where, well, I tried my best and, you know, if you're all going to give me an opportunity to, to do it, I'll, I'll try, but it ended up being one of those things where for Philly, it was like one of those blue collar type nights for him. And it, it ended up being one of those, uh, kind of urban legend type deals. And so it it was cool. Got some street cred from those guys. And um, I was fortunate not to have surgery. It was kind of interesting. I I had this conversation with a a sports guy and we ended up kind of getting into it a little bit because he he said, because I, I wasn't, it was weird to me that I didn't really turn black and blue down at the base of my hamstring. And what I was told was, where the tendon was, they said it might've been encapsulated in the the fashion. I don't, I don't know, but I really didn't turn black and blue. Um, Mm. but it was, it's crazy. Like after that point, I I had to get a lot of scar tissue worked down through there. So I, I joke with one of our, um, uh, trainers from Philly lives in Gallatin, Tennessee now. And, his kind of going away deal. A bunch of us players did videos and, you know, sent them in to his wife. And I said, Hey condo, you know, my wife is jealous of you because I think you've touched my ass more than she has, you know, as far as the amount of rub downs, I would go, he'd come in and, you know, he'd pull, he'd pull my shorts up between my cheeks and you know, he's working up through there to get that scar tissue out. And guys come in and they're like, Whoa, what's going on here? You know, I'm like, oh, Condor, this does not look good at all. This does not look good at all. But, you know, those are the types of things that, you know, again, you go back to the people that have always taken care of you. And I was, I'll say that's one thing about the Eagles that I've always respected and always had appreciation. Even when I went other places, I had more of appreciation for of how well they treated their players, at least in my opinion, and what they did for me over the years, thinking outside the box, having the people try to work on you and uh, I was very fortunate. And then the Eagles, actually, after I came back from that injury, two weeks later, um, extended my contract and, and made me the highest signing bonus of any kicker in the NFL that has since by far been demolished.
0: Well, sign of the times, but also, like, man, the amount of sacrifice. Like, I can't imagine, you know, what you had to feel to go through that. And, like, that's, that is crazy.
1: You give it a shot, man. Give it a shot. But uh, thanks so much, man, for, for tonight. I hope I hope it, we answer some of the questions that your listeners want to want to catch up on. And you know, I love talking football and all that, and love catching up with you. And wish you nothing but success out there, brother.
0: You coming on? And I'll I'll give you one last one. I know you got to get to sleep, man. It's getting late here. But um, I got an
1: early ski set, brother.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you're busy. You're busy. You're a busy guy. I got to get up for work in the morning too. But you know, what advice do you do have? Do you actually for-
1: work as a GA?
0: shoot i don't know man we we get after oh, it now. wait a
1: minute do you actually sleep there's a difference <laughs>
0: nah, there's a lot of there's a lot less sleeping that's for sure
1: nah, i'm just messing with you yeah, dude you grind non-stop i know
0: you know how it is yeah what what that takes but um handling a bad day like even you know a lot of young guys don't understand like even the the greats miss kicks you know like how did you handle a bad day or a day when you feel like you couldn't hit a ball
1: Well, there's a difference between practice handling and and, and in the game, right? Um, You're going to have bad days of practice. And I think, again, watching a film, trying to figure out what's going on and trying to get – the difference of a guy that makes it is you get a bad kick and you fix it and you figure out what it is quickly. The guys that can't do that, they're they're never going to make it. Um, I know guys that have to go out and hit – 20, 30 balls before they start kind of grooving it. I'm like, you, you can't do that. You have to be able to find your rhythm, find whatever that form is for you, and be able to be consistently accurate. When it's punting, you need to be able to turn the ball over. And yeah, you're going to have times you're, you know, okay, what am I doing? Let's get back to it. What is that thing that you can go back to tap, punt passes, or whatever it is to kind of get that going back for you? And when you have a tendency to go one way or, Something happens. What typically does that mean for you? Figuring that out, and that's really doing some self-scouting, some self-diagnosis of really who you are and what's going on. You get long in your punt, you know, shoulder drop back, and you end up swiping it because you're overstriding, uh, jumping into a kick, you know. So your weight comes down, your inertia's going into the ground, and you're falling off. So you either pushing it fast, spinner off if you're right-footed to the right, or you kind of lift your toe a little bit or. Uh, kind of get around the ball because you know you jumped in and you're falling off and you're trying to keep from pushing it. So you end up kind of getting that pull with a little X rotation maybe within it. So just trying to, to diagnose what it is that you're doing. And so in a game for me, um, so I guess back to the practicing is just identify it, try to fix it and kind of get back going as quickly as possible. But you know, you're going to have some days like that. You can't let it say, well, you're a product of one day you're, you're going to, if you're trying to reach the summit, you're going to have days when you go like this, you just want it to continue to go up. Right. You just don't want these, these days like here, that's tough. Now it may feel like this, but it might be one of these maneuvers as you're going up right now in the game. Obviously my biggest thing was always to, you know, when I missed a kick, I was hoping that it wasn't going to be a kick that determined the outcome of the game. But I would always go into the game with the mindset of that first extra point could be the deciding factor. And you win seven six, right? Um, you win three to nothing. I mean, one kick can decide it one way or the other. So I put the same pressure on myself each and every time, whether it's a first extra point or a last second field goal. Now, make them. You know, it's great. You miss them, you've got to be able to say, okay, let's regroup. What did I do wrong? Okay. Don't overanalyze, but like, okay, I, I fell off the ball or maybe I jumped into it or, you know, whatever the, you know, maybe you ripped your shoulder out and you pulled it, whatever. Try quick an- a- analysis of it. But if you make a kick, you move on. You miss a kick, you got to move on. You got to have that DB mentality. And there was times where I'd, I'd go in, you know, as a pro and be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to even see anybody. I'm embarrassed. I let the team down, i let, you know, whatever. But the reality is, is that, you know, the sun's going to come up the next day. You continue to to push to get better, you're gonna have your ebbs and flows. But if you're the highest of high, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh my gosh, and you're throwing your stuff all the time, you kind of have to be, I mean, yeah, you're gonna, there's gonna be some moments of, gotta hit that. But you make it, you're like, I got it. And you move on. And I think I learned a little bit of that kind of reaction. I'm a very emotional, passionate guy. You can see, you know, I'm always kind of going, I think I learned a little bit of that from Andy Reid, just kind of like, hey, you can be emotional, but try to keep it here as well. And, you know, I celebrate with the teams, fiery win, but in the game, I was like trying to be here. i get up or whatever, you know, get, you know, you know, if you watch AV, right, he and I you know, don't know how, but it wasn't like we were watching each other, but just had this you know, there it is. And Andy Reid would kind of do some of that too. It's just like, yes, that's it. Okay. That's what we got. High five. And I, yes, there it is. So to me, the downtime would be like, and you kind of find that release. And there was, yeah, there's some days on the Mondays you come in and you're like, oh gosh. And you can talk real with your coaches and you'll be like, man, this is what, I really screwed that up or whatever. And um, but you, If you truly understand what's happening in the game, and you're real with yourself, you know you can you can psych yourself to the point of like, I missed that. I'm looking cut now, and this is gonna. I mean, yeah, that's all reality. So, what good is it gonna do by worrying about it? Do what you can do, control what you control to the best of your abilities, and let the rest go. That TV
0: mentality, just like you said. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dave, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, man. You're, you're busy, man, but you are, you know, one of the the greatest to ever do it um, at oh, the NFL level. So, and and you're one of the most fun to talk with, you know, kicking with. Man, I, I appreciate it. your time. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Anything going on now? Any T-shirts or
1: anything? No, I got nothing going on, brother. <laughs> no, I'm just hoping that we get. You know, I'm kind of a gig guy. I'm on the road, usually about 30 events a year. And last, obviously last year, not too many. And we've got a few this year, not not as much as, as we've had. But I love talking to corporations, love talking out about faith. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's it in a nutshell, brother. And hope to uh, to watch some good college football this this fall. Still
0: play there. And Virginia Tech.
1: Absolutely. See right what you on. got going on.
0: Right on. All right. That's been David Akers with the Ice bank Caking Podcast.